1: Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe Fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started
0: visit plushcare.com weight loss that's plushcare.com weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Here we are again for another week of Liberty Sessions. And this week, we get the pleasure of um, hearing a little bit from Sarah Magadoff, the awesome designer that created the brilliant Liberty newspaper. Sarah, it's so fun to have you today.
1: Thanks for having
0: me here. I'm super um, excited. Well, we're excited. And a little bit nervous. We, you know what? The best thing about being nervous is it means you're about to bring it. Like mm. You're not so comfortable. <laughs> you're going to bring it. You're going to tell um, our listeners the truth. You're going to share all of your um, highs and lows. And it's good to be a little nervous because I feel like people are getting the goods.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it means I, I, I care. So care too. right? I care about all you yes.
0: folks. Yes. And you do. I know you. So I know you care. Why don't you um, just back up a little bit and tell our listeners a little about what you do and what your brand is. Sure. <laughs> um,
1: so I run a creative studio called Canopy, and Canopy works with emerging brands to help them find and share their unique voice in order to create a lasting connection with their audiences. And we do this through powerful storytelling and unforgettable unforgettable design.
0: And you do. I've seen your work. Um, our... Anybody who's been on libertyforher.com has seen your work or who's seen the magazine, and I have endless clients that I've been sending to you. Oh, you've been rocking it out. <laughs> I've been getting there I'm like, I I owe you, like, a it's, bottle of expensive whiskey
1: or the, something. The, for the your drink it together. Like we'll
0: like drink like it <laughs> together. I don't want the bottle without you. Um, so you, I mean, that's that's a great sort of um Elevator pitch. It packages mm-hmm. everything you do in one. Can you unpack that a little bit for people who don't necessarily know? Okay, what is what is tell. what is an emerging brand? What qualifies is that? And tell us a little bit about what you actually mean and the work you do. So for those people mm-hmm. who are listening, they're like, "Oh, I want to hire Sarah," or mm-hmm. "I need to do that for myself." Totally. Um, So I
1: like working with brands who are either startups or within, let's say, the first five years of business. So they either had um, a DIY startup where they created their own logo or had a cousin created or kind of like (laughs) threw together a website on Squarespace or Wix or something like that. So very limited budgets. Did it DIY, and now they're at a point where they're like, "Okay, we've seen an amount of success, and now it's time to level up and compete with the big boys." And so, that's what I define as an emerging brand: someone okay. who's who has an idea, and they're like, "I would like to start my vision and start a new company," or someone who's already started okay. and they're
0: they're ready to level But in up. that early one to five year
1: early stages, am I limiting myself to those clients? Absolutely not. I'll take I'll take anyone with them. Um, With a great story and let's make
0: it shine. Why is it that one? I I happen to work in the one to five year um, zone too with Mm -hmm. my consulting clients. So I know why I do that. Why Mm -hmm. is that an important window for you or an easier window for you to work in?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. that we put on ourselves to be perfect. Um, We look at maybe our competitors and say, they're doing a great job. I need to compete on that level. And so I know as an entrepreneur myself how incredible that pressure can be. Okay. And and I like coming alongside those young businesses and saying, "Look, you've got a great idea. You're not in this alone. Don't give up. Don't think you have to be perfect. Let's figure this out together." I think it's a really special place to be in, and that's why I like targeting those those types of clients.
0: That's awesome. And you can – there's a lot you can do to help people when they're in mm-hmm. those early stages. Like everything feels like a tremendous push mm-hmm. and so it must be very satisfying to, to get them oh, the over light that bulbs. line. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When I'm walking them through my branding curriculum and you just see the light bulb go off, it's like –
0: like yeah. a teacher.
1: I feel like a teacher experiences the same joy.
0: Yeah. That's actually something that just really quickly, and maybe we'll come back to that in the expert part, but your branding curriculum is one of the things that having worked both personally and with clients who are really starting to focus on the branding, you do that in um, a unique way. I know a mm-hmm. few people who walk walk people through sort of a QA and mm-hmm. a to get, kind of distill what they want out of that experience uh, in, in rebranding or in branding for the first time. And you ask brilliant questions. <laughs> I've gotten to read them. Again, as I've sent clients to you, I've been able to sort of go through that process with them. And it really forces them mm-hmm. to come up with things that they would not have naturally given to you in a conversation. What What is that about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... My, my biggest question when starting out, this is the first question I ask everyone. If we're meeting for an initial intro meeting or consultation, I ask, why do you do what you do? Okay. And usually the response is something like, well, I want to help people or I want to introduce beauty into the world. And I'm like, that's not interesting enough. We yeah. all want to do that. Yeah. Let's dig into your story. Why do you care so much about what you do? Why are you passionate about So why are you passionate, whatever it is that you do, um, why are you passionate about yoga? Why are you passionate about writing this book? And I ask them to really dig deep. And I let my clients know, you might cry through this process. You might dig up stuff that you haven't addressed in years. And for me, what I'm trying to get to is the things that we're most passionate about actually – point back to the biggest traumas in our life. Mm. And the reason why we're so passionate about creating um, mm. creating solutions is because we're trying to heal that part of ourselves too. Mm-hmm. And it also creates a really great elevator pitch because when you can meet someone and tell them that part of your story – I'm trying to think of a great example um, – Okay, we'll go with this one. Hopefully it's not too compromising of this person's identity. But I have a client right now who has a big thing with fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And I met with this person a couple of times, and the same words kept coming up. Like, I want to be a good leader. Um, I want to create hope. um, I'm, I'm trying to remember some other things that came up. And it just wasn't enough for me. I'm like, that's not no offense or anything. That's not interesting. We all want to do that. We mm-hmm. all want to create change. We all want to create hope for the mm-hmm. future. But what specifically mm-hmm. do you? What sort of transformation do you want to create that is different from everyone else? And um, we're sitting at dinner, and he—I said he. I was trying to <laughs> keep it gender <laughs> it's, neutral. It's gender neutral. Um, yeah. Um, we started. We started going down the fear and anxiety road, and I was like. Tell me about some of your first moments experiencing that. And he um, eventually looks me in the eye and he says to me, you know, I've lived in L.A. for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And my dad's never come out to visit me Mm. because he's too scared to get on a plane. If I would have had a child the year that I moved out to L.A., he would be going to college right now. And he would never have met his grandfather because his grandfather allowed this fear and anxiety of hopping on a plane from connecting with his children and his grandchildren. And I just saw the emotion and the um, and just the sadness in his eyes. And for me, that was a light bulb moment. I was like, "I, if you're comfortable with this, I need you to share this. This needs to be your TED Talk one day. This needs mm-hmm. to be the lead-in. Um, and from that story, I tried to tell him, this creates your empathy with your audience. Mm-hmm. People understand, whether it's – um, their own fathers who are too scared to travel whether it's that or it's a different version of that from for themselves um you you create an authenticity and authority of like I know firsthand what it feels like to be overcome by fear and anxiety because this is this is the trauma and the tragedy that I experienced in my life and I know the depth and the sadness that that creates. And I don't want anyone else to ever experience that. So I'm on a mission as a creator and an artist and a filmmaker to expel fear and anxiety from the world because I see how it cripples people mm-hmm. and how it um, it damages dreams and it creates um, fractures in relationships and and a whole host of other things. So. I
0: bet he was shocked mm-hmm. that something so intimate oh, could inform his professional story mm-hmm. and could profoundly affect people in his professional world. Like he probably didn't. And that's exa- thank you for that example because yep. that's exactly what I was talking about, that you're able to unearth things um, in people's stories that really lead them into their unique selling point. Mm-hmm, if you ask them what your unique selling point was, he would not say fear or the disappointment of my dad not coming out. That's not mm-hmm, what would come mm-hmm. to mind. And so your ability to ask the right questions to help them create that narrative, I think is, one. aside from your ridiculous great taste, um, is one of the things that I think really distinguishes you from, um, from the pack. Because there's thank no you. shortage of, of people in branding. So thank you for sharing that story. Sure. Now, I want to back up a little bit because it sounds like you kind of um, were made for this. Like mm. you're telling this story, your ability mm-hmm. to be empathetic and draw this out of somebody mm-hmm. so that you can create their brand story. Um, sounds like this is what you've always done, but it's mm. not. No. So walk us through your your career okay. um, and, and when you decided to pivot. Cool. So...
1: 48 hours later. Um, Okay. My dream from a very, very young age was to become an architect. That was always in me. I remember creating uh, like floor plans, like little dream homes for my Barbies and all my dolls and stuff. Um, By the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I knew that I That's it. Architecture was my career of choice and I knew what school I wanted to go to and I was very driven, determined, and I had that singular focus. So I ended up getting into um, architecture school at USC, did Mm -hmm. the five-year program there, worked my butt off. Um, We're talking coming home at 8 a.m. from an entire night in studio. That was just the norm. That was what you did to prove to others like, I'm legit. I'm a designer. I care about my art, blah, 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 whatever.
0: Um, Did you have all those cool markers? Like those? It oh starts with a P. Yeah, it totally starts with a P. What, what and you that? can get them at. I was always jealous. I had a roommate mental, who was yeah, an interior yeah. design student. I didn't get those. I, I didn't was, get those yeah. either. It
1: was a, I don't know. Maybe it's because I have a. Um, a I don't like color.
0: Oh, okay. I have black and white and grays and neutral.
1: Okay. So maybe I was like, I'll just use. I'll just use this. A's. Okay. I be anyway. uh, sorry, I digress. Tangent. Um so I graduated architecture school in 09, and that was mm-hmm. right after the recession hit. Very, very, very difficult to find work. But I had a connection through a professor at this amazing firm in downtown LA. Um, so I was fortunate enough to get a an entry-level designer position at this firm. And Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. We were in the heart of downtown right next to Pershing Square. I worked in this really cool building that was super ornate. I forgot who the architect was. Okay. He also designed Union Station and some buildings um, on USC's campus. But um, our firm had outfitted this cool building Um I was very classical on the outside, but I had turned it into this really contemporary, like open office, and people are not really skateboarding around the office. But you get the idea. Yeah, I created yeah. that culture. Yeah. Um. So I loved it. I felt like I was on top of the world. I um, had a salary. I had a four hundred one k. I was like, this is great, and I'm only twenty three. <laughs> I win. I win. Um. And right around that time, I ended up getting married. Um, And I was also working on a project that I knew that I would be able to develop myself um, professionally in a way where if I stuck through this project for the next two years and I saw it through from from concept to completion, I would be in a really sweet spot to then be like, I – can do anything. And I could pitch myself to other firms, um, maybe try to level up, go mm-hmm. from this firm to the next firm. So I felt really set. I felt like I was in a great place um, to to position myself within the trajectory of my career. Um, and I walked into the office one day and my project manager pulls me to the side and says, hey, I'm going to need you to, um, in addition to this project, I have a task for you on this other team. Um and it's this project. It's a, I think it was a a horse racing Coliseum Adam Pomona or something like that. Um and our other project manager on this other project needs you to come in and read these blueprints, like actual physical blueprints, which I had never seen a blueprint in my life. Um, because the technology had, had moved past actual physical blueprints. Anyway, I think there was one floor plan, one elevation, and I'm sorry if none of these terms make sense. And then uh, maybe one other drawing, but so not enough information to be able to 3d model this entire horse racing track. Um, She's like, I need you to do this. And I need it by, can you do it in a couple of days in addition to your other work? And I was like, Oh yeah, totally gung ho! i, yeah, I'm I can super, do anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm super yeah. green. I'm like, whatever you need, or whatever gets me ahead in my career and makes <laughs> yeah. me appear as the the perfect employee. Um, can you do Can you do both of these projects? Absolutely. Take the blueprints. Go back to my desk and just start crying, mind you. We have a forty person open office. I'm like heaving, like the type of crying when you when someone tells you grandma died. And you're like, no, where did this come from? And like just complete shock out of nowhere. And so I, I ran to the bathroom. I had long hair at the time. So I'm trying to cover my face so not to embarrass myself. Um, and I sat on the bathroom floor for the next 30 minutes and just wept. Hmm. It was like seven years of stress and anxiety, just being relieved and I tried to compose myself multiple times, go to the sink, wash my face off, and then I would just catch this glimpse of myself in the mirror and be like, oh, no, I can't go back out there. I would start crying again. And I eventually realized something's happening here and I need to take a personal day. So I went back to my project manager in tears and was like, I am absolutely sorry. I need to take a personal day. I'm going to come in extra early tomorrow. I'm going to finish up Um finish up rendering this project and he was a, a six-year-old um, he had an accent I forget where he's from but it's just a six-year-old man who had I think four daughters of his own and he he knew he knew <laughs> what that meant he was like let us know what can do for you please go home um and so I it was around lunchtime I went home and my husband's an actor so he's he's around he doesn't have a nine-to-five job and so he fortunately happened to be home and he just sat on the couch with me and I poured my heart out and I was like I don't think I like what I do. Hmm. And he just listened and I I began to process and realize, "Hold on, I actually cry on the way to work every single day. I don't think that's normal, but I never like it never hit me that something was wrong." Um and that day I knew as I was driving home it wasn't meant to be anymore, that the dream was over and that actually there was something on the other side of this. If I were to walk away from this, I knew that there was opportunity. I didn't know what it was, but I felt it in my gut. And David was so gracious to be like, I want to see you happy. None of it's worth it if you're crying on your way to work every single day. Like, I got you and we've got this. Take whatever time you need and explore.
0: And you had no idea that Design. I mean, that it would. St- First of all, it's in still in the design world, mm-hmm. so it's you're capitalizing on this education in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, oh, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. But you, that didn't occur to you, or you just needed time and space to think of or dream of what it could be.
1: I at that point couldn't even fill out a resume. Okay. I was so burnt out that yeah. I I would sit down at a computer and I would start crying. There was no room. there was, was no like, room or space for that. Yeah, so then I started baking and and writing for writing um fiction for other magazines and um I even chefed at a <laughs> at a oh, it was like a fundraiser dinner for some okay. for some company, but I really Kind of just played. I did what my husband told me to do. He was like, play, figure it out, figure out what's next. So
0: So okay, so now bring us into what was that first thing that you did or that first time that you were like, This is it, design, graphic design, art direction, this is it for me. So I was at coffee at a a
1: local coffee shop here, and I ran into a girlfriend who you've actually had on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was starting. She had her computer there, and she just looked super frantic. So I went over and said hi to her, like, what's going on? What are you doing? She's like, I just launched this jewelry company, and I'm getting all these orders in, but I don't have a website. I don't have a logo. I actually – I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So myself – Knowing how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and having an interest. I've always had an interest in graphic design. I followed blogs and and would collect inspiration images and stuff just to have. um, And I would put presentations together um, in my job as an architect. So I was like, well, I have the skill. I know how to do that. You need a website. You need a logo. I got you. Um, So she... Carefully explained to me, okay, well, this is kind of the look and feel that I'm going for. Ooh, I don't know. Can you do this? And I was like, absolutely, I got you. So a couple of weeks later, I, I we meet again at the same coffee shop, and I have my laptop with me. And I'm like, I, I have no idea what a design presentation looks <laughs> I wish everyone could see like. your face. Yeah. It looks like
0: you're reliving that nervousness I all just over remember
1: – <laughs> My artboard, and excuse excuse me, if you don't know what that term is, but my artboard being so messy and chaotic, and I just kind of like went to town and drew a million different logos, and I was like, "Um, so this is my idea for your logo." And she just started crying. Mm. And she said, "You completely nailed what was inside my head." And I gave you so little instruction, but you heard, like you heard something between the lines um, underneath what I was saying and you completely nailed it. I love it. So I was like, well, that felt really good. And that feels, it it aligns. It aligns with what I'm going for. And I I didn't really know what that was yet, but it Mm. felt good. So then she referred me to another friend of ours who then, it kept going. So then the referrals kept going. So after four months, I had back-to-back clients. Mind you, they were small jobs, but I had back-to-back clients. And I look at my husband one day, and I'm like, I think I have a graphic design (laughs) company. And he's like, oh, yeah, babe, you totally do Do it.
0: That's Um, awesome. That's That's awesome. And what's cool about it is that it really is the marriage of your background, um, your study of design, Mm -hmm. and who you are, that reading between the lines, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, you described so perfectly in the story about the gentleman earlier. So um, kudos to the friend who identified that Mm -hmm. and um, for you for kind of going with your gut and relying on that feeling. And I, and I have to say too, for um, the courage it took to, after seven years, um, you know, to say, I'm not going to do this, Mm -hmm. Um, not just I can't do this, because we can always muster up the energy to go back again, but to know when to say why, Mm -hmm. for what, Mm -hmm. what's the point. Totally. Um, Because you said you were crying on your way to work every Mm -hmm. day. So your body was telling you, you you were telling yourself, but you Mm -hmm. weren't listening. You're like, no, 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 I got this. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, And I think one of the coolest things about the ability to Pursue an entrepreneurial career is that there is there is a freedom in that, which is mm-hmm. why this is called liberty. <laughs> um, so thanks for that story. Top. Okay, um, you. So I I think that you kind of talked about the entrepreneurial thing for you was it, it just morphed. It w- mm-hmm. it was a natural. Mm-hmm. Um, evolution of what you were searching for and what you where you were gifted, and that's why you pursued that. Did you ever think prior to that that you would work for yourself and be your own boss? Oh, absolutely not. I grew up under two parents who went the traditional,
1: I went to college, I studied this subject, I then got a job in that field, and then I climbed the corporate ladder. Yeah. And so that was what was modeled to me, and so
0: that's always what I had envisioned for myself. Um. So that, yeah, so that was, it It just kind of happened. It wasn't something that you would necessarily pursued. Mm-hmm. And then probably after that, you're like, oh yeah, what is this entrepreneurship mm-hmm. thing? Let me figure mm-hmm. it all out. Um, so you came to this basically um, because you were really taking a look at your life and what it meant to your life to continue on your path or to do something that kind of fueled you and gave mm-hmm. you some freedom. And that's the good news mm-hmm. of what entrepreneur entrepreneurship can um, supply or support in our lives. But you have identified that um, all the noise around being entrepreneurial and the hustle and um, kind of the multi um entrepreneur activity, which some people do so well and with grace and others are just making themselves crazy. Mm -hmm. You sort of said, Hey, wait a minute. Um, and to my knowledge coined this, this idea, Mm -hmm. this phrase of slow entrepreneurship. We Mm -hmm. know the idea of, um, kind of the slow food movement, Mm -hmm. the slow fashion Mm -hmm. movement, but you were the first time, first person, um, that I heard articulate Mm -hmm. this concept. What do you mean by that? And, and, Kind of where was it born totally. uh, from for you? So
1: let me let me bring listeners into my own personal journey. So I start Canopy. Um, that was we're now approaching three years ago. So at the end of last year, I was in that same space. I I wasn't technically on the bathroom floor crying, but mm-hmm. I was in a way at my desk pulling my hair out. Um, trying to get all my work done, looking at the numbers and saying, oh, my goodness, why is it so hard to make sales goals? Something drastically has to change because I am so tired and I'm getting to that same place of feeling burnt out. But I do I do love what I do. I do love working one-on-one with creative people and helping them tell and transform their stories. So something just has to change. Mm -hmm. Um, So my word for this year was space. And creating more space in my life to do the things that I love, to create a schedule that actually creates more energy um, for myself to be present for the people that I love and the things that I love doing. And so I asked myself what, what days do I feel most energized? What am I doing? Um, and for me, that looked like having really productive, efficient mornings because that's when I'm most creative. Mm -hmm. So I would jam-pack all of my most creative work into the morning, and that would take maybe two or three hours um, in the early part of my day, take a two-hour break, make myself a lunch, go on a run, and then come back in the afternoon and spend another two or three hours um, finishing up admin stuff or accounting or what have you. Now that's, if you add it up, that's only four or five hours a day, which is not this like I'm hustling all the time, I'm up late, I'm up, up early in the morning. It's not that traditional form of hustle that we're so associate with success. Um, but I realized when I really was efficient and productive with my time, I actually got more work done and I actually felt more energized at the end of the day. And so I was like, I just want to keep doing this. And so... I started writing about that on Instagram, and the, the the posts where I wrote about my newfound like ideal day got incredibly more engagement than mm-hmm. any of my other posts. And so I, I was like, I am totally onto something here. And there are two types of comments that would always come in. The first one being, I did the exact same thing. With my time, I reduced the clutter in my schedule, things that weren't quote-unquote hell-yes activities. I got rid of the non-essential activities, um, and I got super efficient with my time, and now I have more time to, whatever, go out and be in my garden or be with my kids or go out for drinks at 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, so it was this camaraderie of like, hell yeah, we will, we figured it out. We figured out entrepreneurship. Um but then the other type of comment was always, I so badly want to figure out how to do this. Can you help me out? Um, and so I was like, "I someone needs to say something. Someone needs to say something. And stand, give permission. Yes, exactly. Say something and stand up to the hustle. I am not against the hustle. I think that the hustle is the way that you get your business off the ground, but maintaining that speed is completely unsustainable and almost always leads to some sort of health issue Mm -hmm. or burnout or loss of Mm -hmm. interest or lost relationships. And so I was like, I'm going to be this person. If no one else is saying this, the hustle has affected me so deeply in my my life as a creative that I don't want people to reach that point and give up on their dreams. And so Mm -hmm. I want – that's my why. I want to be the voice of slow entrepreneurship, and so we, you and I, have a a Mentor Monday once a once a month mm-hmm. entrepre- female entrepreneur meetup. And so I remember sharing that idea. I think it was back in February, and it's like, what do you girls think of the idea of slow entrepreneur? And everyone immediately immediately was like, oh, you got to do it. It's a great word. I get it people are going to understand what you're talking about immediately without you even having to explain it. And so.
0: Well, and I think one of the things when you are working for yourself, you can get lost in a lot of the sort of minutia, whether Mm -hmm. it's spending time on things that don't really. Totally. You don't really need Mm -hmm. to be spending time on. Sometimes that's scrolling through Instagram. Sometimes that's looking at the competition. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's, you know, you get, you're supposed to read one or two articles to keep up on things, but now mm-hmm. you're in article seven yeah. and you are, now you're upset and you feel stressed and you feel like you're failing because <sighs> you don't measure up to the articles. Oh, yeah. And you didn't do the shit you were supposed to get totally. done in the first place. Mm-hmm. So sorry, mom. So mm-hmm. I think, um, I, th- I think there's so much to that that's not just about the two to, f- you said five or four to five hour day, which I think you said two to three hours. Beginning and end. So Mm -hmm. for some, Mm -hmm. it could stretch out to six, Um, but it's also about being efficient Mm -hmm. with your time and understanding when you're most um, creative, when you have the best of yourself that Mm -hmm. you can give to your business. Which which I love. So we'll be um, we'll be kind of following up with you on Instagram to hear more about slow entrepreneurship. And I'm going to ask you a few more questions sure. about that in the expert section. So you've given us the story of how you got into doing what you're doing, Sarah, but mm-hmm. I'd love for you to just give us a little insight into how hard it was or what the what was the hardest thing in launching and mm-hmm. now what's the hardest thing in, the, in sustaining this business that you've built?
1: For me, it was not trusting myself and not trusting that I was creative enough or good enough or talented enough and also not trusting my gut. Um, And because I didn't trust myself, I looked outward and I read all the articles. I read all the books. I followed the right people on Instagram and I followed their recipe Um, the recipe that says do all of it all the time, be present, um, engage on social media, comment, 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 respond to, respond to everyone. And that I think is what led to that burnout of not knowing myself and knowing how I operate. Like you were saying, like we were saying, um, knowing when I work best how long do I work well? Um, Just because someone else is doing it that way, Mm. does that mean that you have to do it that way? Um, But I wasn't the expert, right? I was a person who never had any interest in pursuing being self-employed. And so I I trusted other people because, look, they have X amount of clients or X amount of followers. So like, obviously they're doing it right. And if it didn't work for me, that's when I felt like a failure, Because I'm like, well, they're the expert, and they're doing that, and they're seeing success, and I can't do that? Well, then I don't even belong here. Um, And really shaking things up at the end of last year and just asking myself, well, how do I work? How do I thrive? What does that look like? What do I need to eliminate? What do I need to focus on? Can I be okay with saying, great, so someone does it that way? And they're seeing success. I don't want to do that. I don't mm-hmm. like it. It's it's driving my energy away from the things that I really want to mm-hmm. do, which is um, the creative aspect of the business. And so, figuring out ways where I could either um, reduce the amount of time that I spent doing the things that I wasn't good at, or um, and even identifying the where I was putting energy that wasn't seeing results, and being okay with being like. I don't like doing that. It's not seeing results. It's fine. I'm going to let it go. I'm actually really good at this other thing, so why don't I just focus on that?
0: It's interesting, as I'm listening to you, hearing you go through your process, I have to believe makes you sensitive to your clients in a a really unique way. So what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is... instead of being formulaic, mm-hmm. because you went through trying to do things in a formulaic way to launch your own business, mm-hmm. and then you kind of got to the point where you're like, nope, I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. I've figured out what works for me, and and I'm going to try that. And then you had success there. Mm-hmm. So it seems as though you have the language to ask of your clients, we're not going to do this in a formulaic way. Just because you're a baking company doesn't mean we have to brand this with a loaf of French bread right. on the front, yeah. you know, or a, or a grain of wheat or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can actually think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you more about you and come at it from that point of view. Again, your first illustration, your first story is evidence of that. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to to hear you talk about your own story. And then again, because I've gone through this process with you through myself and mm-hmm. then through clients, I've seen how much what you do is informed by your own story. Mm-hmm. Like you're coming at it from um, having been there. Totally. Um, and, and I love that. I, it brings all that authenticity. Is um, it, It's obvious the genesis of it as, mm-hmm. as I hear these stories. It's like, oh, that's where that's coming mm-hmm. from. So I so appreciate that. Okay. One last question on um, this first portion, which is do you think entrepreneurship is for everyone?
1: I do not. Um, I think actually being an only child makes me the perfect candidate for being an entrepreneur. Um, I don't really like rules. I don't like following people. I don't. I, I see myself as an extreme individualist. I think that's the right word. I like. I like autonomy and doing things my way. And mm-hmm. I don't like following the crowd or being mm-hmm. told what to do. So I think for myself, that makes me that makes me thrive as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur because I cannot stand the thought of going back to a 9-to-5 versus all of my best friends who I'm still connected with and, and went to high school with, almost every single one of them is in a 9-to-5 job.
0: Oh, interesting. And I tell
1: them about my journey, and they the reaction is always the same. I cannot understand how you do that. The... Um, the the unknown yeah. and the 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 waves that you go through am i going to book x amount of clients yeah. this quarter or where's the work or i have too many clients just the unknown and the the flexibility of it all is very daunting to them and i'm like well i love that because it means that someone's not telling me what to do and that for me is, is my bottom line um i think if you're someone who is afraid of releasing that expectation and control that, I think entrepreneurship will be very hard for you. Yeah. So that's not to say that you can't do it. There will be a huge adjustment or learning curve.
0: Yeah. And if you know where you're going to run into problems and you're sort of eyes wide open, mm-hmm. then then maybe you've got a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that. I I used to think that everyone could be an entrepreneur. I've said it on this um, mm-hmm. show a million times. And at some point I was like, no, that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing that it's not it for every, yeah. uh, everyone. Um, we need those people with their knowledge nine to fives and those big corporations mm-hmm, and, absolutely. um, and they end up being great partners with entrepreneurs. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people, we use them all day long, right? We someone use, has to
1: work for someone. That's right. So.
0: That's right. How would we build our Squarespace website if that didn't exist? Right. Sponsorship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll go get, we'll after go after them soon. Um, okay. So now we're going to transition into kind of taking advantage of having you in front of us as an expert. And I'd love for you to share kind of three tips that you would give somebody in these early stages, these sort of emerging brands as you identified them earlier. Um, what are three tips you could give them uh, about developing their brand? And by that, I specifically mm. mean their logo, color palette, image selection, their website, those things that, are, that we identify as brand. I, I know brand is the experience the mm-hmm. consumer has of us. Mm-hmm. But very specifically, what are three tips you can give people to kind of look out for or ask themselves? I like to say, be willing to spend money. And
1: I feel like when you're starting something new, you're trying to get something off the ground, everyone is so tight – or many people, I shouldn't say everyone. But um, many people are more likely to be tight-fisted with their money, which I totally understand. You need to be responsible and you're trying to make a profit. So that totally makes sense. But what I like to tell people is especially if you have a service-oriented – business, set aside $5,000. Set aside $5,000, hire a designer, Mm -hmm. hire someone to create a really nice logo for you, hire someone to even put together a basic Squarespace website. Um, Hire someone to either copy edit or do your copywriting just enough to make you come off as a very polished business. Not necessarily perfect, but polished. Um, And I say that because it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money that you have to invest, but the reward is so great. I can always tell when people have done their own website, when they've either had their cousin hired to do their logo, and it's a turnoff to me personally. Um, And so if I'm turned off by it, that means that there are other people who who see your storefront or your website and go, I don't know if I want to trust this person with my money. If they're if this is the way that they treat their website how are they going to treat me as a client or is it a because it's a
0: lack of investment in their business and you're like if they're not investing in their brand then they're not taking it seriously so why should i is that kind of what's behind that cuz it's not just it's not pretty enough mm-hmm. so what do you think it is um because that's what I read mm-hmm. in what you're saying. Gotcha. Like, I d- if if you're not taking your brand seriously enough, if you're not investing in who you are and what you're putting out in the world, mm-hmm. then why would I take the time or energy to use your service or give you my money? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. That's at the end of the day, I'm exchanging this for, for for cash. Yeah, totally. So is that what you think it is? I mean, I just want our listeners to really understand why this why you're yeah. saying this is so important.
1: It's not taking yourself seriously enough and thinking that you can get by and fix it later. And so I think you can either save up five thousand dollars, save up two thousand dollars, save up a a small amount of money that's comfortable to you. You think that you can get by on that and invest in the right pieces so mm-hmm. that you do create that trust. So that you do establish um that amount of well this person takes themselves seriously it's like dressing well like they yeah. this person dre- or this person takes themselves That's seriously like yeah. even though they're getting started right now i trust them because they're they're looking at all the the details and making sure that hey it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be fully fleshed out but, but it's my i best care about foot it yeah exactly
0: okay i appreciate that so you originally said 5000 and then you said even 2000 so is it somewhere in the middle that you think we could somebody could say, okay, that's what I need to put aside.
1: I think so. Okay. I think it's, yeah, anywhere between two to $5,000. Okay, that's one tip.
0: Okay. So that m- amount of money. Two okay. more tips.
1: Um, time. All good things take time. And so, as I mentioned, I'm working with a lot of emerging brands, and they want their product to be perfect from the mm-hmm. get-go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like I said, all good things take time. And so I – I try to encourage people, let's get your brand to a place where it feels polished but not perfect. Because clearly, you have a lot of work develop- to do, developing your product, to developing your offering, to developing your service. You need to open your doors. You can't wait That's right. until you've figured it all out. Let's get it to a place where it feels really good. It presents really good. And then you can have a 1.0 and then a 2.0 and
0: you and will a you will need to if you're mm-hmm. growing you will need to so don't don't anticipate that there's a launch date and it, things will never change they mm-hmm. will always be like that it needs to be dynamic totally. that's what I'm hearing from you mm-hmm. okay that's awesome that's super helpful it gives us a lot of freedom to mm-hmm. kind of move about all right number 3
1: and so my third tip would be doing the research doing the homework um, I find it so much e- easier I feel like our, the process goes so much smoother when a client can either bring a Pinterest board to me or can cite I love this brand I love the I love their color palette I love the way that they engage with their audience or they have specific examples of I want to be compared to these people or I want to look like this or I really like these like logo design styles um, it helps me get inside their head understand where they're coming from and to really, sit in their shoes and be like, okay, as I'm creating for them, I I know what it is they're going for. So we Mm -hmm. don't have to go through this back and forth like, is it this? Okay. It's not that. Is it this? When you can come to a designer and say, I've done the research. I know who I want to be. I just need you to come alongside me and help polish it up, help refine it, help elevate this idea.
0: That's good because I think a lot of people probably pick up the phone or mm-hmm. email. Can you do it? And, yeah, can and can you do it? Out it? For and me? It's like do do what? Yeah, uh, I don't. It's I don't like know. Um, who are you? Well, and it's it's like going through the process of dressing, or re- I'm in the middle of a re- house remodel. It's like you hmm. gotta you you gotta be able to tell the people that are doing the work for you what you want. Totally. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're gonna end up with their taste, which could be good, could be bad, mm-hmm. but it's not you, which is what we've identified is so important to the brand. Mm-hmm. So I've heard people refer to branding as kind of the packaging, the outside of the product, the shell of the company. But um, I think they kind of miss out on the heart and soul. And so much mm-hmm. of this conversation has been mm-hmm. about how much branding really is and the work that you're doing, pulling that heart and soul out mm-hmm. of them. What do you have to say about that when, when people approach yeah. it like that?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think we touched on it earlier with my whole thing is let's dig out your story. Um, branding, when you think about the word, actually means to leave an impression on mm-hmm. something. So the reason why branding is so important for a business is it creates stickiness. It creates that mark on when someone engages with your logo or your storefront or even a little marketing flyer for the first time how are you leaving that mark how are you how are you reserving for yourself that little space in someone's memory when there's so much information that we're oversaturated with how do you leave that mark
0: And leave it on the person you want to leave it on, not on everybody, Mm -hmm. but really leave it on the right person. So do that homework too, right? Totally. Who's your demographic? Who do you want to be talking to so that you know?
1: Super, super concise with your target audience. It's not enough to say female entrepreneurs. Like, well, what kind of female entrepreneur? How old is she? Where is she at in life? Yeah. Where does she shop? Because someone who shops at Forever 21 is different from someone who shops at, let's say, Anthropology. Totally different girl with a totally yeah. different personality. So getting zoning in on or honing in on really specific who your audience is will make your branding pop, all of your visuals pop that much more because the people who are on your website or or walking down the street and they see your storefront, the way you've designed your business will actually call out to that person who's going to be a fangirl or a fanboy.
0: So I I, want to be sensitive to all the listeners out there who are like, Thanks for the advice, Sarah. While I'm saving my two to five thousand dollars, while I'm doing my really kind of deep dive homework, I've got to get something up. I've got to just hang my sign up and say mm-hmm. I'm open for business. I've got five hundred dollars. Yep. What can they do on that shoestring budget to advance their brand?
1: Yeah, I actually love that question because I love constraints. I feel like there's a lot of creativity that can happen within constraints, especially um, with budget constraints. I I have found there are so many great resources out there. If you can afford, if you can't, I think it sounded like I said can, if you can't afford to hire an expert or a designer, oh my goodness, where do I even start? Um, First of all, Squarespace, I am such a big fan because they have such beautiful templates and right. it's such an affordable service to invest in every single year. Um, so if you're looking to open up an e-commerce or, or digital, I always like calling it your digital storefront, build it yourself on Squarespace, but also keep it simple. Because there was a lot of thought and a lot of effort and a lot of... um,
0: um, Kind of thinking through the navigation of that and how consumers use that platform or use that website. Absolutely. So find
1: a template that looks most like what you want your website to look like Mm -hmm. and just copy paste. Just drop your content in there. Don't touch the design. I think people like to... Get a little carried away, and all of a sudden, what was once a beautiful design now looks like oh, it, it looks like you did it yourself. But yeah. some a designer spent so much
0: time yeah. actually perfecting that template. So and keep it simple. And Squarespace spent a lot of money. Yes, yeah, on that design. So yeah. so
1: if you can keep it simple and use what's already there, number one, you're going to save a lot of time because you're not going through the headache of oh my gosh, how I make this look perfect. It's already it's perfected already. Just use it. Um, creative Market and mm-hmm. Etsy yep. are amazing. I use them all the time for my own presentations and um, developing mock-ups and, and stuff. I I mean, so yeah, I use them. So I can get I can So vet how, that Creative Market,
0: when our listeners go to that mm-hmm. site, that'll be clear. How did you use Etsy? Finding for, designers?
1: For logos. For logos. For okay. templates. I mean,
0: you can find... That's a good one.
1: Yeah, you can okay. find logos there. You can find... Um, even media kits, they have like blogger packs so you could get social media templates. Um, all very, very, very reasonably
0: priced. Those are great tips, and mm-hmm. we'll make sure those are in the show notes because I think people, I mean, basically $500 is rich for what you oh,
1: yeah, just absolutely. identified.
0: I mean, people could probably do that for $250, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, depending on how creative they get. Um, you had talked about the homework you need to do earlier in – all the things you need to cobble up together to show the designer, mm-hmm. right? And say, okay, here's what I like. Here's what I want to be about. Here's the audience I want to serve. What about actually hiring the designer? Any tips as to how we should go about finding somebody that's a good fit?
1: Mm-hmm. Find a designer whose voice, and by voice I mean their their philosophy, their core values, even their aesthetic is very similar to your own. Um. I personally just find it easier when there's already that established compatibility because I'm creating something for someone else who who has the same value system yeah. as I do. So it's easy. It, it almost – the design creates itself versus if someone comes to me and they – let's just say they're a maximalist and they like lots of drop shadows and just lots of detail yeah. and and – very intricate designs. I might look at them and say, I don't think I'm the designer for you. I just, it's not my voice. And me trying to create that for you, it'll actually look worse in the end. But there is someone out there whose voice matches what you're going
0: for. And you So should. should we try and find that in their portfolio mm-hmm. online? Is that mm-hmm. like review their portfolio, find yes. things you like, then pursue... Those five people, and then from that, distill based on personality. Yeah, Is that-
1: portfolios, Instagram, Pinterest boards, wherever they're, wherever they're. Oh, populating. Pinterest boards—that's
0: good. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, that's good. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll of course have for anybody wanting to connect with you, mm-hmm. we'll have all of your information um, again in the show notes. So I want you in closing this section. We spent some time talking about you kind of identifying and really being an advocate and a voice for a slow entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. For those of us um, who are going through the daily grind and the hustle, what tips do you have for us to help us? slow down. And and I think it's not just pace as we identified, mm-hmm. but to really look at how do we create meaningful work? How do we become more productive with our time and more efficient? Anything that, any takeaways? So I actually have a free
1: worksheet oh. available to all of your <laughs> I listeners. didn't even know she was going to do this. That's awesome. Um, if you had to com slash free hyphen resource. I have, my and we'll put that in the show notes, yes, notes too. Okay, yes. awesome. I have my three secrets for integrating slow entrepreneurship into your lifestyle starting today. Okay, and to give you a sneak preview, number one, eliminating the non-essential activities. So anything that doesn't make you go hell yes. I actually have an exercise coupled with that point okay. that forces you to make an exhaustive list of every like every single commitment that you have, and on a scale of one to ten. How much vitality do each of those activities bring you? And okay. if anything falls below an eight, I'm like, it's out of there. Um, secondly, be efficient with your time. Um, and I have not only my own personal tips, but additional resources for books that you can read. Um, lots of people have figured out ways to get efficient so that they can minimize the amount of time yeah. um, doing their their work-related tasks and maximize the amount of time that they get to spend doing other things that bring them joy and vitality. Speaking of joy, that's my third point, make joy a priority. I think that a lot of us have it in our head that if we're not constantly busy or stressed, then that means that we're not successful. Mm. When in fact, taking 30 minutes to read a book, or going on a jog, or whatever it is that delights you, that can actually fuel your creativity. That can actually make you more productive. Um, Does binge watching
0: something on Netflix count?
1: Yes. Okay. I actually yes. put that. I actually put awesome. that. I think that's one of the <laughs> okay. examples that I
0: used. <laughs> that's awesome. I might have taken it out of there, but absolutely. Put it back if in. that brings you back joy, in. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, That's great. We will look forward to that. I can't wait to download that myself. Cool. Thanks for creating that for for our listeners, but for everybody um, out there. Okay, now this is the fun part of the – not that that wasn't fun because that was loads of fun, everything we just did. (laughs) But no, this is kind of the silly part, I guess, Um, a way for our listener to get to know you a little bit more. Um, Although I think anybody who's listened has a really good sense of who you are, Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be surprised if your emails got flooded um, with some requests. Mm, preach. Um, so <laughs> we call this our quick six. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions. It's actually quick six plus one, I realized. Oh, We're going to have to yeah, change that. To um, but we won't. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask six questions and you're just going to give me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Do you prefer a nine to five schedule or I'm sorry, nine to five or a flex schedule?
1: I prefer a flexible nine-to-five schedule. Okay. <laughs> We've never and had that really? answer, That's no. The first time. Um, I like keeping my work hours between the hours of nine-to-five, but within that, okay. I like to create flexibility. Okay, flexibility within that. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: fair enough. Um, that fits with your slow entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't be surprised that you had a unique answer to that. Uh, vacationing in the mountains or beach? Um, mountains. Have we had other mountains only? Okay. So usually somebody's oh, like mountains. With I'm the super beach. unique. Okay, you are you are super unique. Um, in the best way. Uh, work from home or office? Home, home, home. Okay. Uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Um, work alone or with a team? Alone, introvert.
1: <laughs> Not even a question. Oh, no.
0: Nope. Although I will say you work really well with a team.
1: I do but having people around all the time would exhaust. Is it, me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
0: there is room for that teamwork because you're oh, yeah. having to do that. Totally. All right, I do not
1: want them in my office all the time, yeah. but you and yeah. I have collaborated on yes. teams
0: Yes. Yes. So. Okay, and I think this is the hardest question. Do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? Mexican. We have for so- in LA, we I know. have to like Mexican. I know. food. It's true. We do. But I um I think there's room for a Thai Mexican truck. Okay. I'm just saying We're like just a Thai trucker is what I'm I'm thinking. Okay. If it well, doesn't wasn't that exist. Kogi? Kogi. Um, Oh, no, okay. That's, nah, nah, nah. Never mind. Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Not tie. <laughs> 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 um, and then this last one, this is our seventh one, which I always throw it on as, as an add-on. But what does it mean for you to be liberated? As you know, this company is called Liberty or named Liberty. Our website is Liberty for Her. Our um, Podcast is Liberty Sessions. And the idea is that we want to liberate women through entrepreneurship to really answer and, and seek out, pursue their calling. Mm-hmm. So, what does it mean for you, Sarah, to be liberated?
1: Okay. To be liberated to me is knowing myself and using my unique gifts to serve the world.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So concise. I love well, it. I wrote it down. Oh. <laughs> it's like you sent these questions ahead of time. It's like I did. It's like I did. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. This thank you. This has been you. so fun yes. um, to be with you and to hear your insights. And I'm thrilled that this is part of our body of podcasts, that this information is something that's going to get out to all those entrepreneurs and wannabe entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. people who've been doing it for a long time and and need some encouragement on how to do it in a different way. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Neta. And to all you listeners, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty for Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Wyndham, and music by Jordan Flower.